When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. <laughs> I was waiting to see if Monica would break first. Why do you look, why do you, why are you scowling at me? <laughs> what is going on? I literally don't know. <laughs> Monica's just sitting there making the worst face I've ever seen. <laughs> um, you know, uh, a Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. Yeah. I was just trying to replicate the like movie poster. It does. You do kind of look like him doing that right now. <laughs> I it's wish you funny. all could see this. Hello, hello. How's it going? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. It is the week of Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. In two days. A time for thanks. A time for Hanks. That's Tom Hanks. <laughs> T Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving with Tom Hanks and not the Pilgrims and Native Americans. And we're eating turkey, not eel. <gasps> yeah. That was a sick, sick beat. I know. The T. Hanksgiving. It's Tom Hanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Of course, we're not recording this on Thanksgiving. But we'll pretend. That's oh, a turkey. Th- there's some turkeys in the room. Oh, Mr. Turkey Jerky. Oh. <laughs> gobble, gobble. How are you, Monica? I'm gobbletastic. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Uh, Thanksgiving is this Thursday. Correct. In two days. In two days. In two days. Yeah, because it'll be on uh, released on a Tuesday. That's right. Thanksgiving's on a Thursday. 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 Uh, are you a football fan? No. I literally don't know what's going on. Who's uh, playing who? I know that there's a big game today. Mm-hmm. Today in real time, not today in podcast time. Mm-hmm. Um, between the Ravens. And the Colts. That's all I know. I only know this because my boyfriend is an insane Ravens fan. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't follow football, but like I'll go, I'll go to USC game because they, I went to school there, obviously. No, fight on Trojans. Um, And I have been to one NFL game in my life. It was rather fun. It was a Rams Ravens game. Oh, the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams. I forgot that we have a team now. We do have one now. <laughs> As of just like a few years, right? Yeah, like t- three years maybe? Some, Something like that. We yeah. got Rams in this house. Rams in this house. Rams in this house. We got Rams in this house. <laughs> Wet ass Rams. Oh my God. Wet ass Rams. War. <laughs> war. <laughs> we have war. <laughs> like football no i didn't think so <laughs> no, i was I just don't. making sure um i do love the movie uh silver linings playbook in which there do is you? football interesting interesting to you i hate jennifer lawrence but i love that movie <laughs> interesting to you missy <laughs> well anyway today we're not talking about jennifer lawrence no we're not we're not even talking about silver linings playbook or football quite no. in fact we're talking about the one the only, the maker of my favorite Thanksgiving film, mm-hmm. Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow, you heard that right, folks. That's uh, J-U-D-D-A-P-A-T-O-W, not T-O-E, as I so commonly misspell his name. <laughs> Apatow. Apatow. Uh, Judd yeah, Apatow. Judd Apatow. A little about Mr. Judd. Uh, Judd Apatow, friend of the pod, father the two Maeve, or Maude. Ha ha ha. Apatow. Ha, fuck you, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> a niche reference to uh i forget which episode it the was the one time i called Ma- mod apatow mave <laughs> <laughs> and you had to apologize i had to apologize <laughs> <laughs> uh 
anyway, father to Maud Apatow and the smaller Apatow. Iris. Husband to Leslie Mann, non Apatow. King of comedy, papa of comedians. We love Judd. Judd is an Emmy winning screenwriter, producer, and director, funny man, known for his films like The 40 Year Old Virgin, Knocked Up, and Funny People. All movies. The three films we're talking about today. He studied screenwriting and worked as a stand-up comedian before earning an Emmy for his writing on The Ben Stiller Show. Basically, he's the bee's knees and he'll make you cheese. Oh, look at that cute little rhyme you wrote. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) I'm the local poet and mantra maker. Do you know what his alma mater was? Fight on. Did he really go to USC? I don't know. I, 100% he did not. Alma mater, University of Southern California, baby. Are you kidding me? Alma mater, USC, <laughs> baby, USC, How? as in see this cash in my bank uh, account. What I will say is literally, and because you, people, I mean, colleges in general, really, they really hype up their, their alums. Uh, they really talk about it all the Why time. Why don't they talk about USC? <laughs> never heard a fucking word. Never heard a fucking oh, no. word about that. I've heard more about Miranda Cosgrove going to USC than Judd Apatow. You would think you would think you'd hear about him, and you don't. I'm sorry, Judd. Uh, after graduating from high school in 1985, he moved to Los Angeles and enrolled in the screenwriting program at University of Southern California. While at USC, he organized and hosted a number of on-campus comedy night events. Wow. <laughs> featuring people like Kevin Nealon. What a guy. What a guy. He dropped out. Who That's cares? They would have they milked the out. shit out of him. I don't think they would have. They would have. They only they only uh, like the grads. Also, if he was in the film department, the only people they talk about from the film department are fucking, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg. And uh, George. And George Lucas. George Lucas. You know? Uh, yeah, he did drop out his second year. But then he moved into an apartment with Adam Sandler. So where was the real education happening? Uh, in that apartment. In I that apartment say. with Adam Sandler. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. just saying, if Adam Sandler called me up and was like, do you want to be my roommate in a shitty one bedroom? Versus USC fight on. Uh-huh. I would say shitty one bedroom, please. That's what I would say. I don't know if I would move in with Adam Sandler. I would. I think, I mean, I think it would be a fun time, but I also think it would be so chaotic. No, I think that that's what would make or break my education. Maybe. 100%. Okay, that's fair. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now that you know everything about Judd Apatow, uh, what's our first movie, baby? Our first movie is... The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Uh, um, the second film that Judd Apatow ever wrote. The first being Heavyweights, in case nobody else knew that. <laughs> the Disney movie with fucking Ben Stiller at a fat camp. Hilarious movie. Problematic now, but still real funny. Still really funny. <laughs> and also, it was because he was in cahoots with Ben Stiller. Yeah, exactly. And it was the only reason why he uh, did that. Yeah. So, 40-Year-Old Virgin made in 2005 or came out in 2005 written by steve carell and judd apatow directed by judd apatow Judd Apatow. andy stitzer played by <laughs> steve carell <laughs> is an amiable single guy who works at a big box store living alone 40 year old andy spends his free time playing video games and curating his action figure collection despite yes. his age andy has never had sex so his friends including the laid-back david played by paul rudd push Andy towards losing his virginity. While attempting to get over his awkwardness around female customers, Andy meets local shop owner Trish, played by Catherine Keener. So good. And they begin a tentative romance. God. This movie is so funny. Okay. (laughs) I just want to point out that while Steve Carell and Judd Apatow wrote the script of this film, Mm -hmm. it's basically all improv. The, like, the rough outline of each scene was written, but, like, these fuckers, like... These fuckers went for it. Yeah, yeah. And it's also featuring a like a 21-year-old Seth Rogen. The youngest Seth Rogen besides like Freaks and Geeks. Amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. First of all, this movie's iconic. Yes. Iconic. Correct. If you will. however, this is the first time I had seen it. Really? Yeah, I had never seen this movie. Not even in 
a blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had heard of this movie. I've seen scenes from it. I've obviously seen the iconic waxing scene. Kelly Clarkson. There's a lot. Exactly. Um, I just had never watched it because, I mean, 2005, I'm 10 years old. My mother was not letting me go see The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Oh, wow. Um, I think this was one of those movies that got, for some reason, I think because of the marketing of it, got uh, represented as being like a really dirty movie and so i wasn't allowed to go see it and now it's like it's not that dirty it's really not no (laughs) i think that for being what it was in the early 2000s i think that this was a pretty tame film compared to a lot of other like uh stoner comedies slash just like raunchy comedies out there (laughs) american pie (laughs) (laughs) um i think that this, this movie above all else is funny above yes. being raunchy above being like silly and mm. uh fun it is fucking hilarious it, it has an all-star cast of people who technically weren't really stars at the no, time not at all um it features obviously it was co-written by steve carell and it features a lot of um really fun cameos by different mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time probably like d-listers yeah and now total <laughs> a-listers plus his wife nancy nancy carell what i will say now that i have seen this movie <laughs> is that <laughs> as a directorial debut this is such an achievement judd has this like really special way of bringing out uh, these crazy wonderful sides out of his actors yeah and finding the people that are able to just kind of like work in sync together and like bounce off of each other so beautifully um and i think that's a testament to his writing as well as him as a director because in scenes like the or in movies like this where it is so heavily improvised Mm -hmm. but there also is you know there's like bones of what is supposed to happen and obviously we know where the story is supposed to go it takes talent i think it takes talent to direct improvisers oh yeah um and to get the best out of them but also to make sure that we fucking stay on track you know well here's the thing judd has this this really incredible quality where he doesn't give a fuck about the budget (laughs) (laughs) where he just goes because at this time i don't know if y'all babies in the back know this but these fuckers babies in the back (laughs) these fuckers filmed on film we're talking like Mm -hmm film reels and reels of film and this fucker did not stop the camera yeah ever yeah um what's her face katherine keener uh-huh she was like i'd never worked on a judd apatow film because the man's a fucking baby but yeah. also because i'd never worked on a judd apatow her film. her name on this movie is what gave it like clout exactly it yeah. established credibility for this film yeah friend but the fact that he never yells like cut mm-hmm. is really fucking sick. Yeah. Uh, and again, his balls drag on the floor mm-hmm. because the man gives like, <laughs> gives two fucks about the budget. And it's just like, <laughs> y'all, I'm going to keep this camera rolling. I'm going to keep this fucking going and fuck you and your reels and reels of film. It's just going to be me and my lack of yelling cut. And I think that honestly is a quality in a director that you don't see every no you don't don't because because you can't afford to you don't see those balls just dragging on the floor Uh chafing up (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry to all the people who have balls listening (laughs) you don't (laughs) oh that poor man's balls uh i call jet up (laughs) geronimo Geronimo Apatow. If they ever had a son, that's what they should name him. Geronimo Apatow. I call Judd Apatow the papa of comedians. Yeah. Because he has the insane quality, this incredible just like charisma that attracts all of these comedians like flies and they flock to him as if he's a light and they are moths. I have a really funny visual. Okay, wait. (laughs) <laughs> we're not so, high. you know you know in the nutcracker 
wait stay with me version stay with me but which every version <laughs> so you know in the nutcracker there's mama ginger yes she who has the skirt she pulls it up and all the children come out yes judd apatow is like mother ginger <laughs> and all of the comedians are hiding under his skirt and they come out and do a beautiful <laughs> dance together that you think is gonna be fucking chaos but it's not oh my tell, god tell me i'm wrong you're tell not me I'm wrong. wrong you're not wrong <laughs> listen not only does he have the biggest balls in the world and not yeah. only is he mama ginger <laughs> but he's also just a damn good creative producer and a yeah. damn good director yeah i mean his roster is longer than my fucking arm every movie he's ever touched bridesmaids forgetting sarah marshall the other one all of them i mean there were a few not gr- like the king of staten island did not that shit also had not great that that one had not good odds <laughs> to begin with the odds were stacked against it, poor okay? odds if we're in saying judd's so, defense Judd. In Judd's defense, that movie had some insurmountable odds stacked against it. I mean, Monica, it. when you're starting with heavyweights, sometimes the only way, place to go is down. Sometimes. Because you start so high. <laughs> you start so high. That you just have to. You, you gotta fall. He didn't fall immediately, though. No. It was later. It was much we later. We love you, Judd. You have not fallen. Judd, your balls are still dragging on the ground, my friend. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, anyway, Back sorry. to Judd making the 40-year-old virgin. Specifically the 40-year-old virgin. Yeah. I think, I think what makes his movies so good and so funny is because people find them so relatable because yes. he takes just like normal fucking people fuck ups a lot of the time most of the time and I takes would say. their average fucking life and just like turns the volume up on it Way and up. that's what makes it funny you know that scene in back to the future when marty is like turning the dials up on all of all of the speakers yeah, yeah, yeah. every single one and then like plugs in his mm-hmm. guitar and like strums mm-hmm. and it fucking blows him across the room uh-huh. that is jet apatow's movies <laughs> Uh, yeah i would i would agree with that that's what he does with normal situations so you take something like and uh the research that he did was with this movie or for this movie was just you know okay what does a middle-aged virgin look like why are they virgins Uh and a lot of the times the reason why middle-aged men you know not become virgins but like are virgins (laughs) and then they transitioned into virginity (laughs) is because a lot of the times they just stop trying after a while yeah and that you know i read that that was that was sort of what he got out of the research was like the the core of this man's being is for a lot of his youth was you know the average the average young virgin is like he's scared right Mm -hmm. it's it's fear it's the insurmountable insecurity and the fear Mm -hmm. and then after that it's you try and then you get the rejection and then after the constant rejection after a while, you kind of just like stop trying. And I think at the, at the core of Steve Carell's hilarious character is this insecurity. Yeah. And is this complacency that he has to, to not come out of his box. And what Steve Carell and Judd Apatow did with this character was incredible because they rooted him in truth. Yeah. And I think when you root a character in truth and you make a movie like The 40-Year-Old Virgin, that's when you captivate audiences. It's not when you have this, like, silly, dumb character that has no, like, real hook Mm -hmm. or no real root to his funniness or his otherness. It's when you have a relatable character. Like, we can all relate to the insecurities that this character has, Mm -hmm. whether or not we're also 40-year-old virgins. Yeah. There, there is an emotional truth to him that I think makes the entire movie work and the whole cast click together. Yeah. That I think is really smart. Yeah, I think one of the things that is so great about Judd and the movies that he makes and specifically this movie is that I usually when you have movies that are like sort of slice of life kind of films, yeah, it, they do have some sort of larger than life element that makes them seem like slightly less relatable like they're these are normal people but that wouldn't happen to me right and i think his movies are so good and so successful because he's basically telling audiences like it's fine if all you are is like <laughs> a, like a middle class like fuck up yeah uh, not saying that people who are middle class are fuck ups i'm just saying <laughs> to the people who are he's saying that like that that's fu- that's good enough for you to have a story told about you and for you to be, have this like lens placed over you and for us to magnify it in film form. Like 
that's good enough for a story. And those stories are funny and valuable. Um, and I think that's why people like his movies so much because they're not these like huge larger than life situations. They're just kind of like normal shit. I mean, when you get a movie that's so fucking successful that it skyrockets the office into fucking Mm -hmm. like the show that it became. Yeah. Like, you're talking something that solidifies Steve Carell's startup, not his career, his yeah. startup, because he had been working for like a decade before a 40 year old version. Mm-hmm. But when you're, when you're talking about someone like Steve fucking Carell and this movie cementing his comedy chops and mm-hmm. like really like pushing the office into what it was like, you have to credit this movie for that. Yeah. You really, really do. Um, and I think when you're a director like Judd Apatow and you're able to make that happen and do it, time and time again with various different projects that's special right that is something that not everyone has and not every director has and especially not a comedy director i mean he is the only guy that churns out comedies that are that are these at this caliber that are these kinds of movies because you know arguably a lot of people like say like oh the comedy as we knew it is kind of dead Mm -hmm. uh and that's not true when it comes to judd Judd apatow movies because he delivers i mean not with the king of satin island but he delivers that that one wasn't there (laughs) (laughs) but he delivers and he delivers every time yeah uh and it all really started with 40 year old virgin yeah no absolutely and he this movie was a huge break for a lot of actors like elizabeth banks in this movie oh my god she i mean (laughs) she had done wet hot but like she didn't uh, like not everyone saw wet hot not Um, everyone did yeah pretty much everyone saw the 40 year old virgin yeah this movie fucking fucked it was, it was at the box if office. you were over 17 i'm pretty sure you, everyone saw the 40 year old virgin and if you were out. under 17 and had an in at the movie theater exactly you saw this movie yeah so even in the smaller roles with like with elizabeth banks like with seth rogan like it just all of a sudden these people had careers and that's pretty insane and special to have that many people come out of a filmmaker he is a career maker yeah like that's who he is and that's just so funny to me because i don't see a lot of other directors and in his case he's also a really big producer Mm -hmm. i don't see a lot of directors writers producers in this world making other people who they are yeah and like in his case he solidified a group Mm -hmm. of comedians an entire fleet of comedians that flocked out of his films and became directors writers and producers in their own right to a very similar caliber of judd apatow's like who else can say that no one (laughs) literally no one yeah it's it's really it's really special what he's done as a filmmaker um through this movie because i mean a lot of the people in this movie had careers prior to this but they wouldn't have the career that they have now without judd apatow no not without him yeah absolutely um especially seth rogan (laughs) especially seth rogan especially seth rogan god not i mean obviously steve carell for the office specifically yeah uh and not not paul rudd either (laughs) i don't know if paul rudd would have the comedy career like the comedic career that he has without judd apatow he would have always been the 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 cute boy in the film yeah exactly for sure speaking of paul rudd Mm-hmm. unfortunately they deemed him too fat for this movie and he had to lose a million pounds That's in order to continue to be in this movie the biggest load of bullshit i've ever heard. uh which i just find so silly and <laughs> so stupid it is, like it's really dumb it's um, really dumb because also like first first of all it doesn't fucking matter what he looks like no second of all it's not like his character needed to be was skinny. at all reliant <laughs> no. upon his body shape not at all um but because Judd Apatow released this or like revealed this in like mm-hmm. one of his various books that he's written. And he was just like, yeah, Universal was like, yeah, Paul Rudd's too fat. We have to cut the funding for the movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which is so stupid. That's why Paul Rudd looks like, I guess, chunkier, if you will, in the scenes where he where they're like doing the speed dating. And mm-hmm. then in the rest of the film, he looks tired. <laughs> 
Yeah, because he had to fucking stop eating. he had to eating. fucking stop eating for like two weeks or something. That's like he insane. had to turn it around so Poor Paul. Fat. He literally just like went on a diet and like stopped eating. That's horrible. That's just what happened. And it brings about the question of like, I'm sure Judd, Judd Apatow was like, yeah, I mean, I guess we don't have to make this movie. But then I'm sure Paul Rudd as an actor was like, no, I'm going to get this done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. It really reminds me of Moneyball when what's his face? Chris. No, Chris Pratt had to lose all that weight in order to play that one baseball player. Um, Otherwise, he like wasn't going to be in the movie. That fucking sucks. Which sucks. (laughs) I'm just like, how does that? I get an actor choosing to like alter their sure. body and not use like prosthetics or something yeah. um, in order to achieve a certain look mm-hmm. for a character. And if they choose to do that, I totally get it. I think it's a totally different thing when a studio forces that upon you. I mean, welcome to Hollywood, baby. Hollywood. This is how it's been and how it is. I mean, it's getting better, but it's still not great. It's also just like to know that it also happens to men is fucking blows it's also like not really talked about no like you would never think that a quote-unquote overweight Mm -hmm. paul rudd like how is that an issue in a comedy i couldn't tell ya. i couldn't (laughs) tell ya because there are also actors in this movie who are larger than him and it's fine seth we're looking at you Seth, uh, I mean, Jonah Hill's in this movie. Jonah, we're looking at you. (laughs) Jonah, Seth, why weren't you? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Nobody nobody should have been made to lose weight. Nobody should have been made to lose weight in this film. I don't understand. They literally were like, guys, guys, we have to shut down production. Alert, alert. Paul Rudd is too fat. (laughs) What is that? How is that okay? It's insane. It's insane. Mm. That aside, love this movie i think i'll also have to say katherine keener's performance in this movie is amazing impeccable she also has a bang and bod she does have a bang and bod. <laughs> like good lord katherine keener looks good in this movie also she owns that fucking ebay store <laughs> i i remember that ebay store existing because it was a real store that they just rented out mm-hmm. to shoot in but it was actually like a we buy we sell your stuff on ebay store well if we want to pause and talk about kind of like the la porn in this film this it's, it's a lot of this porn. film was shot in studio city mm-hmm. uh, on ventura in that shopping center yeah. with the western bagel that yep. now has like a, a hair salon like mm-hmm. up on the top and it's got like shops at the bottom and it what it has that like the like 90s architecture that mm-hmm. they built and like the 90s decor and that they very soon after like tore down yep. and like made it more modern um it was just really nice to recognize all the sites i know i <laughs> vividly remember driving past that ebay store many a time and being many like, times there are stores for ebay yes being just as confused as the people in the movie about it everyone was like well why do you have to have a store then <laughs> and Catherine keener's like uh you know it's nice <laughs> like even she didn't have even she doesn't she was know like, i don't know <laughs> she has like a business card it's yep. just so fucking funny <laughs> Um, this uh, movie is just honestly there's too much about this movie to talk about in terms of like how iconic a lot of the scenes are because I, all we're gonna keep saying is like it's just so funny because and that's you know that's really all you can say about this film yeah. because is it smart yes to a certain extent sure. is it rooted in truth absolutely otherwise it would not have been a successful film mm-hmm. was it expertly co-written by Steve Carell yes was it does it have a cast of like master improvers absolutely did it solidify everyone's career? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did it launch the office into its utter domination? Yes. That's all we really have to say. And that's okay because it's the fucking 40-year-old version. Yeah. Just just go just go watch it. If you have not seen the 40-year-old virgin, you have not lived your life. I didn't start living my life until a week ago. Exactly. She then, was so. dead and now she's alive. Thank you to our Lord and Savior, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow, honey, baby. (laughs) Judd, baby. Judd, baby. Judd, baby, we love you. (laughs) And we know that you didn't mean to make any of those gay jokes. 
We we know. We know. We know. We know you. We know you love the gays. Okay? <laughs> we're we're not going to give you shit for that. We're also not going to give you shit for the fact that like fish died in your film. It's yeah. fine. You did they you know that film doesn't have the You know it was a different No time. animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Because fish were harmed. Because fish were harmed. They were harmed real good and we're going to go ahead and pour one out for those fish. Uh, not today, but, but tomorrow. Tomorrow. Moving on to our next film. Tell us, what is it, Monica? Knocked Up, Baby. Knocked Up, Baby. This is the film that Judd Apatow made Seth Rogen the lead in after 40-Year-Old mm-hmm. Virgin. It was actually supposed to be the sequel to 40-Year-Old Virgin, and they didn't go for it. The studio was like, no. Yeah. But <laughs> no. that's okay. It's a great standalone. Leave it alone. Uh, Knocked Up, 2007, written and directed by Judd Apatow. A little about it, baby. Allison Scott, played by Katherine Heigl. <laughs> At her womp peak. Womp. <laughs> At her literal peak. <laughs> and we mean that genuinely, guys. We're not joking. No. <laughs> Has just been promoted to an on-camera position at her job, E, and goes out to a nightclub to celebrate with her sister, Debbie, played by Leslie Mann, because it is not a Judd Apatow movie without, without Leslie fucking his wife's Mann. cameo. Uh, or supporting role, rather. Yes, the non-Apatow. Mm-hmm. There, she meets unemployed pothead Ben Stone, played by... You guessed it, Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. And the two have a night of unprotected sex, leaving Allison, quote unquote, knocked up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Allison decides to keep the baby, meaning she and Ben must try and make the relationship work despite clashing personalities and lifestyles. Yeah. Baby. And if I can add something to it, hilarity ensues. Y- y- correct correct hilarity but also some like real time emotional shit you know absolutely um and i really think that that's what judd apatow does best and why he's so good at making these kinds of movies because he presents you with like all this funny shit all these fuck up people all these people that you would like be like i would never associate with them in real life how Uh can i be friends with those people and then like makes it real and uh, like just really he really just like connects people with his stories do you know what i mean yes i again he roots everything in truth mm-hmm. and honesty and that is the only way to make a comedic movie successful um and specifically with this film i think that it's a really unique um <laughs> it's a really unique perspective yeah because a lot of it is like a lot of it has to do with the fact that they that these people on paper are not good for each other correct um which you know that's like a that's a very classic story Mm -hmm. however you sort of bring in the aspect of the fact that like ben stone like seth rogan's character literally is poor like has no money money. and is a fucking idiot like when she because the whole reason why katherine heigl gets quote-unquote knocked up Mm -hmm. is because on the night that she's celebrating her promotion at e-news She's literally like she takes him home with her to the guest house she lives in uh, because Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd are her sister and brother-in-law, respectively. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just like the scene escalates because they're like in the middle of this coital arrangement. Correct. And (laughs) Seth Rogen is a dumb fuck. Yep. And doesn't understand how to put on a condom quickly. And she goes just do it already and he interprets that as okay forget about the condom let us do the unprotected cartus and they go for it and miraculously she becomes pregnant because ladies that's what happens it only takes one time wrap it up kids (laughs) wrap it up this turned into a PSA. <laughs> this is a safe sex episode, actually. <laughs> and now we're from our sponsor, Adam and Eve. <laughs> um, and that's that's literally what happens. That's that's the whole fucking like angle yeah. of the movie is like he's a fucking idiot. Well, that's it, how this happened. There, there's a lot of little yeah. moments like that through the movie where you take that he takes a situation that you think would be one way and then he puts the lens over seth rogan slash seth rogan's crew and they're just like (laughs) absolute idiots like like the nightclub scene in general you're like okay they're all out at the club cool this is gonna be like 
them trying to pick up chicks. Yeah. And then it like zooms in on them and they're talking about fucking Munich. Yes. They're not even trying to hit on women. They're just talking about those stupid fucking Eric Bana movie, right? Which is like not even good. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, yeah, man, like this movie slaps. I mean, I've never seen Munich, so I can't actually say Um, if it's a good movie. And that's it. And you have to, it's just so fucking funny. And you know who's the real star of this film? Tell me. Jason Segel. I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) He's so good in this movie. The character he chose, because this is really just, you know, a classic Judd Apatow, like, Mm -hmm. improv film. The character he chose to play is just fucking unreal. Yeah. Like, he, he, there's this just one line that encapsulates his entire character, where they're all in the hospital room, and Catherine Heigl's character is about to pop out her bebe. Yes. And they're all sitting there and they're on, you know, Jonah Hill's squeamish and the other guy's like fucked up and everyone else is like, oh, my God. And Jason Siegel's sitting across from Leslie Mann's character mm-hmm. and he, you know, she asks him something along the lines of like some or something to the effect of like, oh, like is, you know, how how do you guys feel like how's everything going? And he was literally like, you know, like. I have like a side passion for gynecology, but uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you like how everything's happening. Uh, but how are you? Like, how are you, Debbie? Like, how's everything? And her husband's like right there. Well, his whole thing throughout the whole movie is that he's trying to get Leslie Mann, but to, like, like sleep with. Him. But he's not actually trying that hard. He's mostly just like saying things he's like to her. Pl- in his, you can so tell that in his mind he's like playing Play- cool he's like planting the seeds because he's like one day one day she'll want me and then she'll think back on all the things i said and she'll know that she can come she can come to me and like <laughs> the fucking fact that he thinks that she would think that a side passion of like gynecology is gonna like really get is like her. sexy that's what gets her going and it's like <laughs> how do you have only side knowledge gynecology (laughs) did you only half get your medical degree yep is that what it is is that what happened and then you neglected everything that they teach you in medical school Mm -hmm. which is the basis of the human body and you (laughs) only focus on gynecology that's what what would have to happen in order for you to have a side passion correct in gynecology (laughs) and i just want to say that that is why all these yokes are so deep they They're, cut deep. Yeah. He also, Judd Apatow also makes a lot of jokes about Hollywood in this movie, um, which is so funny. <laughs> like the whole Ryan Seacrest portion. Oh my God. Is so funny. It's like this kind of like meta moment where Ryan Seacrest is being interviewed as himself, but he's being like a little asshole. And he's talking about how like he doesn't want to interview Jessica Alba. Like what the fuck questions is he supposed to ask her? <laughs> and then... Again, when mm-hmm. James Franco yes. <laughs> is being interviewed as James Franco yeah, by Catherine Heigl. And Catherine Heigl, that's when she first like learns that she's pregnant and yeah, she, throws, she up. throws up. And he's like, oh, guys, like if this is like a, I forget what he says, but he's like, if this is a one of those like prank shows, yeah. like I'm not about it. If like, I'm being punked, I'm not about it. If I'm being punked, I'm not about it. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, like James Franco would not say that. Like yeah. that's just not something that he would, but that's what the character of James you Franco would say. You also know that say. like the Judd Apatow is coming at this of a place of like he's already tired of like the bullshit people in hollywood (laughs) i feel like in every judd apatow movie there is a small dig at hollywood no matter what it is absolutely i mean Um, he's not a typical like hollywood guy well he brings in the like you know (laughs) i don't know if you know this jessica tell me but a lot of comedians are considered quote-unquote outsiders (laughs) sure sure yeah and i feel like a lot of the times he is just you know his inner comedian like his inner stand-up comic Uh or comic in general is like really cynical about hollywood and is really not i wouldn't say like necessarily negative but it's very like Mm self-deprecating and like fuck hollywood man like i don't belong here kind of a situation because he doesn't look the part and he doesn't act the part so it's really hard to feel a part of hollywood Mm -hmm. um and he typically just like takes really either really big swings at hollywood or really small like flicks (laughs) like he's just flicking hollywood's arm yeah (laughs) I love it. I respect it. I think it adds um, another level of humor because you're not just seeing like the story. You're also hearing about like the director slash writer's point of view yeah. <laughs> on the industry that he's chosen to work to work in. Yes. And that it's, they're all a part of. It's really nice because all the characters 
have their own names in this film. Yeah. yeah. Well, his crew, right? Yeah, Seth yeah, Rogen's crew. Because Seth Rogen obviously is not named Ben. No. But like his crew, like Jason is Jason. Yeah. Jonah is Jonah. Mm-hmm. Like they're all, they all play basically themselves. Yeah. But like a really turned up version of themselves, <laughs> which is just always so fucking funny. And what's his face? Ken Jong. Yeah. He makes like the most incredible cameo in this film. As a doctor. As a doctor. Which by the way, if you don't know, Ken Jong is a doctor. a doctor. He's an actual doctor. This is the movie that made him quit his job. His, do- his doctoring yeah. career. Which yeah. he still has his medical license. So guys, if you're on the street and you see <laughs> Ken Jong and you're dying, uh, tap him on can, the shoulder. He can practice medicine legally in the United States of America Correct. and maybe the world. I don't know that. But I do know that he can <laughs> practice in the good old us of a in joe biden's america he can practice (laughs) thank god for that i was so worried (laughs) thank god (laughs) um another thing i want to i want to say about this movie is specifically about the apatow children the two smallest apatows yes make appearances so it's now his like director signature anytime there are like children in a movie it's always his kids yes um and leslie mann is usually their mother (laughs) always always i think always always so far they're very talented children they're so talented as babies and like the way paul rudd interacts with them like he's not their real fucking dad but like they're so good together and it feels weird to be like yeah paul rudd does really good like child acting (laughs) but he does but he does and again i think a lot of it is just like paul rudd has a very charismatic Mm -hmm. and warm demeanor yeah and i think that it it makes for a good on-screen papa (laughs) like i I really think it does yeah i think so as well (laughs) like the the scene where he's holding the youngest one iris and it's right after Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen have come out of the house. <laughs> and he goes like, don't do what they did. And she goes, I'm going to do it. And he goes, oh. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. Paul Rudd in this movie, I think him and Leslie Mann are like one of the best parts of the movie. Yes. I think they're the ones who bring a lot of the truth. Well, their dynamic is perfect. Yeah. Because yeah. it feels like... A lot of this movie is about trust mm-hmm. and it's about it's not only about trusting in yourself to make a, to make decisions, you know, work for you. Yeah. But it's also about like trusting your partner mm-hmm. and your and trusting yourself enough to choose who that partner is. Yeah. And a lot of it is shown through the relationship between Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd's characters, mm-hmm. their husband and wife, and they have two children live in this really beautiful house. And he is a some kind of like band manager. Yeah. Um, it's really like not specific. No, it's not. Um, but he's like always going like you can tell that they have like a lot of money. Yes. And they they live a very comfortable and seemingly happy life. Mm-hmm. But like kind of underneath all of it, Leslie Mann is a very insecure woman and she is constantly needing more from Paul Rudd's character. And Paul Rudd, unfortunately, his character feels very threatened by that. Yeah. And he feels like his independence is very, very threatened, mm-hmm. which causes him. And this is like a whole V plot in the film, yeah. which causes him to then sneak off mm-hmm. and pretend like he's going to go see bands to sign, yeah. but instead is like playing fantasy, fantasy baseball, baseball with like a bunch of random guys. Yeah. Um, and he is like just going off and like seeing movies by himself. There's this like scene where he's talking to Leslie Mann and she's so hurt. And he's like, I want to go see what movie was Spider-Man. It? Spider-Man three. Yeah. It was Spider-Man fucking three. He was like, I want to go see Spider-Man three by myself. And she looks at him so hurt. She's like, what if I wanted to see Spider-Man 3? I like Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man 3. And he was like, well, we can go see it together. She's like, no, I don't want to fucking watch Spider-Man 3. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. It's, it's such just, a real relationship. It's Yeah, it's the that element of truth that I think allows the comedy to really shine. Um, because without it, it would just kind of seem like a bunch of fuck ups fucking up all over the place. And that gets old really quickly, especially with the characters in Knocked Up because they're like a especially fucked up yes <laughs> yes like, really very little redeemable aspect about like who they are and what they're yes. doing with their lives yes and if it was just that the entire time i wouldn't like the movie no. like again this b plot with paul rudd mm-hmm. because like there's seth rogan and katherine heigl yeah. and then there's leslie mann and paul rudd like but then these there's are... also paul rudd and seth rogan and then exactly that relationship exactly. is wonderful yes that's exactly what i was going to say mwah, mwah, mwah. make out make out make out kiss 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 <laughs> um 
one thing that I was going to say uh-huh. is the relationship between Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen in yeah. this movie is prime. It's, it's inc- the prime. It's grade A meat. It's like one of the best bromances I've ever seen. That whole dinner scene with them is amazing incredible because they are hardcore crushing on each other like friend crushing yeah and his paul rudd's wife fucking hates him (laughs) and and seth and katherine heigl fucking hates seth rogan so it's like they are like sparks are flying at the dinner table with these two and then not only that but when leslie mann is like enough is enough paul rudd Mm -hmm. They go to Vegas together yeah. and they have uh, just a shout out to our patron saint daddy, John Favreau. They have a <laughs> swingers moment together yeah. when they're in the car and Seth Rogen is like, I'm insecure, man. Like, I hate that I suck. And Paul Rudd's like, no, you're so money, man. You're so money <laughs> and you don't even know it. And they just head to Vegas and they take shrooms and they walk. They walk Cirque de Soleil. Cirque de Soleil. And they're just sitting in the fucking hotel room. And With Paul the chairs. Rick's like, look at all these chairs. The chair scene is like one of the best so scenes in funny. the movie where he's like, there are six different types of chairs in this one hotel room. <laughs> and they're like, why is that happening? And Paul Red sits on the tallest chair. And he's like, I'm so high. I'm so up high. I can see everything. And Seth Rogen's like, I don't like how that chair's staring at me. <laughs> there, It's hard to describe to you like how many wonderful moments there are in this movie. You know, it's just the whole fucking thing is great. Katherine Heigl is really good in this movie. I Absolutely. wish she had stayed at that level because she does there. I wouldn't say she's like explicitly funny. No, but she bounces off of comedy really, really well. If that makes sense. Yes. Like she's a really great person to kind of like relate it to in yeah. a way. Um, I think she grounds it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would say yes. The unfortunate thing about Katherine Heigl is that she's a shit human. Yeah. Just everyone pipe down. I hear you. She's a shit human in terms of the way that she like handles herself professionally. Yeah. She very much is like against this film because she thinks that it's very sexist. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually not. I think that a lot of it has to do with personal choice. And I think just because it has to do with personal choice that makes it cool yeah and not very sexist i agree actually because it was her decision to keep the baby Mm -hmm. she was the one who decided she no longer wanted to be with this asshole guy and she has a career that's going really well for her Mm -hmm. so actually i'm just saying katherine heigl the sexist parts of the movie were coming from like her job yes which is just an accurate portrayal of hollywood absolutely that was just like turning the mirror on this industry which is smart i think i think to ignore those facts is that would be negligent on judd apatow's part i think yeah i was gonna say judd apatow was really smart about it too because he had her boss comedically be like you need Mm -hmm. to lose weight but instead of actually saying you need to lose weight which in hollywood is a big no-no yeah except in the case of paul rudd and universal studios (laughs) well maybe they were just like you should be smaller than you are because in the movie he just constantly repeats like just tighten it up tighten it up just get really tight (laughs) tight and Kristen Wiig is obviously like playing because her role originally yeah. was supposed to be the role a role for a man. Yeah. But instead they were like, it'll be funnier if it's like if it's a, a woman. woman hating other women. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, yeah, like, I don't think that you deserve this, but I guess you did. Yay. Like, <laughs> uh, in classic Kristen Wiig fashion. She's so good. She's so good. It's a really, really good, like little beginner cameo. Of it's alarming. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that was knocked up. That was it's up. a really funny movie. Uh, go watch it. I think it has some fantastic, like real life elements that are good, like takeaways too. I think if you want to learn how to like write a, a really tight comedy, mm-hmm. watch watch a few of these movies. Yeah, and agreed. Except funny people. Funny people is really fucking long. <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> Maybe don't make your comedies that long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> edit people. Edit, edit. Down. And with that, what's her next film, Jessica? Our next film is. Funny People came out in 2009, written and directed by Judd Apatow. Go figure. Whoa, what is this episode about? (laughs) Okay. Recently learning that he has a rare disease, comic George Simmons, played by Adam Sandler, spots a struggling performer named Ira. 
played by Seth Rogen, and decides to become his mentor. The men become close friends as George teaches Ira the art of stand-up comedy, and Ira helps George define his legacy. When an old flame, played by Leslie Mann, reappears and the disease goes into remission, George gets a chance to reevaluate his life and figure out what is truly important to him. Look at that. Look at that. Um, Opening featuring the iconic home video of Adam Sandler and Judd Apatow. Mm -hmm. They make prank calls in their one bedroom apartment yes and um uh what's her name jereen janine garofalo and uh, we're really going for ben it. stiller are also there they're like the people also featured in those tapes they're like yeah they're the ones laughing in the background when he's making crank calls i think i thought that opening was like super brilliant i love so that. good um yeah so let's just talk about the overall structure of this film really mm-hmm. quick i think that it's biggest like fatal flaw is its length yeah i really think the first act could have gotten a lot shaved off of it personally. i agree i just think the the movie as a whole i mean it's it's a two-hour film it's two and a half hours long it's a two, <laughs> <laughs> two and a half it's two and a half hours long and you know you can't talk about this movie without talking about like the it's, it's one biggest flaw which again is just it's fucking length i, I think mean, that that might have been what kept it be- from becoming as big of a movie as i think it should have been i agree because i think that this movie is wonderful this movie i think takes something so scary like mm-hmm. like illness not necessarily terminal in this in this case but just something yeah. really scary like illness and being alone and puts puts like a very specific lens over it that's like yeah comedians trying to make it and mm-hmm. comedians trying to cement their place in the world and bringing those two things together is genius yeah like i that's that's amazing the the way that he found this really genius cross of you know really severe illness and comedians mm-hmm. i just think that 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 in and of itself is really brilliant. Yes. And I think that just extends into Judd's interests in general, like as a person and as a filmmaker, he has such a wonderful, like sort of introspective interest in people in sort of like the more delicate and vulnerable sides of people. Um, especially when they're put into situations that other people would just kind of like ignore yeah, or would dismiss as sort of every day. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you have the idea of like having this world famous comedian, like, like, and it was so wonderful that Adam Sandler is the one to have played the role. I know that's who he wanted originally, but it wasn't like set in stone from the beginning. Absolutely. Um, having it be Adam Sandler, who was already a superstar, like at the, at his fucking peak, it's his 2009. Oh my God. Adam Sandler is a worldwide sensation. We're talking like one of the biggest names of comedy at that time, even now. I exactly. Mean. Yeah. And so this story is kind of meta in a way. It's like an alternate reality version of Adam Sandler's life where he's like this huge, huge, huge comedian, but who has burned a lot of bridges and made a lot of mistakes and he's totally alone. And so when he gets this diagnosis that he has a rare, potentially fatal disease, if like the experimental treatment doesn't work. Um, he would die all of a sudden is faced with all of his mistakes and all of his loneliness. Yeah. And I don't think that that's a thing that a lot of people would really care about a lot of the time because it's like, well, he's rich, he's famous. Like who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. You know, like he's the one who fucked up. He made his bed. He should lie in it kind of thing. But Judd Apatow has brought like a redemption lens into the mix. Yes. Um, through the character of Ira and it's, it's, it's so brilliant. And it's really beautiful because you take someone as jaded as Adam Sandler's character and you put him up against someone who is so hungry mm-hmm. and has such a fresh take on life and has his entire career ahead of him mm-hmm. in Jonah Hill's character, um, in, Jonah Hill's character in Seth Rogen's character, <laughs> Ira. Common mistake. And I think that that's a really brilliant dynamic mm-hmm. because it's sort of the only way that Adam Sandler's character gets pulled out of this narcissist because he he's a fucking narcissist yeah which i find to be very funny in a comedian because comedians are typically incredibly self-deprecating and yes. like self-loathing correct um but because he's such a like mega star i think that a lot of it is him just being really jaded and very self-absorbed and has such a hatred for life as a whole yeah because it's kind of even though it's brought him all this success and all this money 
at the end of the day, he's an asshole and he's alone. Mm -hmm. And when you're an asshole and you're alone, all you can really do is complain about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that Ira being a being a bounce board for his complaints and instead of shooting him back with yeah no fuck you fuck this i'm leaving Mm -hmm. he is young enough and and he's it's early enough in his career to where he's like i'm still learning i'm learning from the best like this is so exciting like i get to write jokes for you like this is so cool and seeing that dynamic is really brilliant because like i just i love the way that judd put all of these pieces together in order to make this overall story that works so well and you Mm -hmm. think that it really wouldn't like all of these piece all these puzzle pieces separate from each other you think that it wouldn't work and you put them together and it totally does it almost feels like i'm like reading someone's diary Mm -hmm. because it's so personal and like so specific yeah well i mean it goes so seamlessly between like hysterically funny and then mediocre and then horribly sad yeah just like life and without those moments of reality i don't think that the funny parts would be as funny i mean we said that about knocked up i think it's true about a lot of movies but especially especially about judd apatow movies because you have these characters that feel like irredeemable in certain ways but then you he grounds them in truth in order to amplify like the hilarity um and also just like judd as a writer judd as a director making his actors feel comfortable enough to like go to those like edges of insanity at some moments absolutely just like the edges of the extremes of every emotion um allowing them to feel comfortable enough to do that because he himself as a writer and director he does that all the time just by making the movie period Mm -hmm. and so he gets them to trust him rightfully so and then you get like this amazing product yeah i mean just if you just want to like talk about like making actors feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. like able to reach those bounds like eric bannon in this film Mm -hmm. he's an australian yeah and they let him keep his accent because judd apatow thought that it would be easier for him to not only improv but to stretch like his emotional bounds yeah because it wouldn't be focusing on that accent exactly so in the scene where he gives where he gives um adam sandler the biggest australian beatdown ever yeah he's able to do that honestly and when he is being genuine with leslie mann's character and like wanting to get his wife back because he's been an absent husband and father Mm -hmm. it's really genuine but then so are his jokes and so are so is his improv so is the back and forth that he has with adam sandler's character and seth rogan's character ira like so is all of that and that is only possible when you have a director and a screenwriter who give you the opportunity to play to your own strengths and to not give you any hindrances and to not give you any barriers that you are forced to cross in order to give an honest performance. Mm -hmm. That's just tight, bro. No. And it's because like every person in this movie, not just the leads is so good. Like, like Jason Schwartzman in this movie. That's his name, right? Jason yes. Schwartzman. Sorry, there's a lot of S sounds going on. Um, he's incredible in this. And he also he also gets the the joke about John Favreau too, which is pretty good. You know, um they're it's like always good. He's talking to Seth Rogan and <laughs> Seth Rogan's like, I'm not cute like you, I don't look like Jackson Brown, I look like John Favreau. <laughs> which in the moment I was just like but John Favreau's so cute. But John Favreau's adorable. <laughs> He's so cute. He's like a big bear. But anyway, so like everyone in this movie is fucking hilarious. Like this was one of Aubrey Plaza. I think this was Aubrey Plaza's like breakout role. Yeah, and she basically just played like a version of herself. She's like, I'm from Delaware. She is from Delaware. Yeah, she is from Delaware. She's so, a like, big Joe Biden stand. He he allows his actors to like root them root their characters so firmly in their own reality that like they're all so comfortable to just fucking play you know and you get the best result yeah absolutely in a lot of ways it's like stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. um because he allows his actors to again like root all of their characters in truth and oftentimes in themselves in their own person and i think that that's almost like a mirror of what stand-up comedy does right like you as a comedian Mm -hmm you root all of your jokes in your own observations or in your situations or in your environment. And it's all personal. Yeah. It all comes from a very specific personal, deep place. Um, and I think that 
in Judd Apatow's films, he takes a lot of like the bases and like the processes of stand-up comedy and applies them to his films. And it's like everyone, all of you guys have stories and all, and all of you guys have personalities and personas and truth to yourselves. I want to pull that out instead of giving you some something else to go off mm-hmm. of. And I think that that's really fucking cool. Like, I can't imagine being one of these people um, in his films, like a Jonah Hill or a Seth Rogen or yeah. a Leslie Mann, coming on his set and being like, okay, I'm here to play. Like, I'm not here to, I'm really not here to like portray someone else. I'm here to be a version of myself amped up 100%. Yeah. And I think that that's really fucking cool. Like, having a director who lets you do that and not only lets you do that, but creates an environment that is so like balls to the wall, like just welcoming and like you can play, like you can do whatever you want. You bounce off of each other. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep the camera rolling. Like you do you. That's a dream. Yeah. That's so cool. Especially when you consider that he like casts his family members, like his his daughters were in this one too. His wife was in this too. And they improved all of their scenes together exactly like i mean first of all they're just fucking talented but also (laughs) like i would imagine being leslie man obviously they've created this relationship where like he can direct her like that has already been established but she has to go to some pretty like emotionally vulnerable places in this movie and has to be you know like making out with adam sandler in front of her husband and i so i think that that element of trust obviously has to be there in order to achieve that relationship literally so like if it's that trusting for her his wife like can you imagine how comfortable you would feel as one of the other actors you know what i mean absolutely i mean i just i i think that it takes a really really special individual to because like this is a long process you not only have to have the talent and the capability Mm -hmm. and the resources and the Mm know-how to be able to direct and write these kinds of films yeah but you also have to develop a sense of trust and understanding with the people that you're working with so you have to have credibility in that sense like these like comedians and these kinds of actors like they're not looking for someone to like who's so fucking uppity that they just dictate to them like what they have to do yeah they're looking for a pal like they're looking for someone to guide them Mm -hmm. and then to also allow them the space to do what they do best Mm -hmm. which is write jokes deliver jokes improv something bounce off of the other actors bounce off of their environment use their environment like that's really what judd does Mm -hmm. and that is really difficult to do if you don't have that kind of trust with your cast and your crew like i I always, every time I watch a Judd Apatow film, like I am constantly blown away and constantly impressed, except for The King of Staten Island. That movie was fucking <laughs> terrible. But everything else, like it's really, and you really, you really, really, really see that with funny people yeah. because it's a big group of people that all have these incredible stories to tell and they all root their characters in themselves. And constantly they deliver these like heartbreaking and hilarious performances all together mm-hmm. at various points in the movie and it's two and a half hours of yeah. like tears and also ip <laughs> yeah like it is it is simply too long but it's also at the end of the day it's two and a half hours of watching really really talented people just getting to be themselves and getting to explore different aspects of themselves because of the story that they've been placed into and that's a really rewarding experience if you're someone who appreciates comedy and filmmaking and yeah. you know things like that um and i think not only that but just to specifically talk about like the story that mm-hmm. judd apatow was sort of like weaving or weaved past tense to those annoying um this story between like mentor and mentee mm-hmm. like is so perfect in this specific sense because in this case seth rogan's character ira has to develop a really personal relationship with his mentor in order mm-hmm. to tell him like hey we're in San Francisco, or like the Bay Area, I guess is where they yeah. are. We're at your ex-wife's house. Yeah. Or or your almost ex-wife's house. Yeah. Eric Bana is an Australian, like, big ass man. Uh-huh. He will beat you down <laughs> if you try. Mandarin. He speaks Mandarin and he will fuck you up <laughs> if you try and steal his girl. <laughs> and yes, it is his girl now. Yeah. And I just need to tell you. And the fact that Seth Rogen's character decides to drive to the fucking airport to save their marriage mm-hmm. 
is just so funny and so heartbreaking at the same time. No, I agree. Beautiful. I just, I love this movie. It's really, it's just really good. I don't think it got the attention it deserved when it came out. I agree. Um, Justice for funny people. Truly, because... I think it's Leslie Mann's best role. I really think that she's like a standout of this movie. Um, It's amazing. Go watch it. Go watch it. It's a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, because there's one Thanksgiving scene. One Thanksgiving scene. Where Adam Sandler like delivers like a cute monologue about like, don't take life for granted. Exactly. (laughs) And that's that. Yep. That was funny, people. And that was Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. We love him. Judd, eat my toe. <laughs> Monica, Jessica, what have you dabbled in? I have dabbled in decorating my apartment for the holidays. Amazing. It's looking schnazzy. Amazing. I'm very, very excited to display the final product post Thanksgiving when I the tree am, is up. I am excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I also have dabbled in Christmas decorating. Oh, incredible. You know, tis the season, as they say. Tis the season. <laughs> tis the season for giving and trees. Tis the season. I just, um, it's also gotten colder in Los Angeles, finally. I'm just, I'm enjoying my sweaters. I'm dabbling in my sweater collection is what I'm doing. I was going to say, because you've got on a really rocking sweater right you. now. It's like this mauve color. It's rusty color, kind of. Kind of. It looks like flesh. It looks like the inside of Mauve your body. Mauve is purple. Mm, Did I you know, know that? Colors. It looks taupe. <laughs> taupey. I would go with salmon, maybe. Oh. <laughs> salmon? Anyway. Um, <laughs> All of these colors look the same to yeah, me. Yeah, just um, getting getting into the holidays. I love, I love Thanksgiving and Christmas. And Thanksgiving is this week when you're hearing this. Woo, woo. So, I'm having duck. That's exciting. Quack, quack, bitch. I'm having duck instead <laughs> of the typical turkey just to switch it up this year. That's fun. Well, that leads us into our question. Yes, we got a question and it is a simple question. What is your favorite Thanksgiving food? I have one. Stuffing. Mine is mashed potatoes. Nice. Like, it sounds really fucking basic. It's my favorite around thanksgiving time. i love mashed potatoes i do make them somewhat regularly i don't make them regularly oh, okay. at all like i really only have it very very occasionally and my favorite kind of mashed potatoes are made around thanksgiving time because nice. then you get the turkey gravy i love gravy and uh, it's just so good. yeah my favorite is stuffing i just it's so good i'm also a big green bean casserole bitch i'm a big green bean casserole fan i would say that's my number two that's my number two it's so good with the crunchy onions oh man when it is cooked just when it's not Mm -hmm. too soggy though no when it's not too soggy i would i would argue that green bean casserole is one of those foods that's better second day the leftovers are better because Mm -hmm. the soup has had time to kind of you know like soak in Yes, soak in the in the beans. Hell yeah, in the greened beans. <laughs> in the greened beans. Oh well, oh, Thanksgiving. That was that. Uh, have a good Thanksgiving. Yes, have a wonderful holiday, everyone. Please stay safe. Please, just you know, do it right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, I you know you can tell we're losing steam. It sort of happening about halfway through funny people. <laughs> and then I just want to say that it was nice. To have, it was nice having doing this doing this episode. I knew it. I knew we would lose steam eventually. It's two episodes, two episodes a day. Every time we get two episodes, it just gets really fucked up. So signing off. Thank you. Well, anyway, as always, don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. Happy Thanksgiving, Monica. Happy Thanksgiving, Jessica. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>